0: Microsoft Story Classic, bringing to you recordings of old storybooks. The Thorn in the Nest, Episode 19 The Indian Sapkins departed, and life in and Chillicothe fell back into its accustomed grooves. Captain Bernard left for his Virginia home. But Littleton remained a boarder at the General Anthony Wayne, a self-appointed spy upon Kenneth's movements, and very frequent visitor to the hospitable dwelling of Major Lamar. He continued to be a favorite with Claire, but found scant favor with Nell, whose politeness was sometimes freezing, while at others she would be only tolerably gracious. She was constantly comparing him, and always to his disadvantage with Dr. Clendenin. Littleton was handsome, polished, and an accomplished conversationalist, but Kenneth was fully his equal in these respects, and oh, how much more noble, brave, and true! What an earnest, unselfish, useful life he led! How different from that of this idler who seemed to have no thought of anything but his own ease and pleasure! She had about made up her mind that Littleton was a coward too, remembering how pale he had turned on his first sight of while Willoway, and having heard that he showed great agitation at the roll of the drum which so frightened the women and children with its false alarm that the Indians were almost upon them. And nothing else so excited Nell's scorn and contempt as cowardice in a man. Besides, he now and then indulged in some remark disparaging to Kenneth, insinuating that he was of low birth and connections, less highly educated than himself, unskilled in his profession, pharisaical in his religion, and wanting an ease and refinement of manner all utterly false, as Nell knew, and she never failed to retort with cutting sarcasm, stinging rebuke, or a panegyric upon Dr. Clendenin, so warm and earnest that she recalled it afterwards with burning blushes. What if her words should reach Dr. Clendenin's ears? What would he think of her, for with a sore heart she was compelled to acknowledge to herself. That eloquently as his eyes had spoken once and again, his lips had never yet breathed one word of love to her, and not for worlds would she have him think she cared for him. But there was no danger that Littleton would report their conversation. He would be loath indeed to give Kenneth the pleasure of knowing how high he stood in Miss Lamar's estimation, nor would he dare repeat his own base in, Inyunda. It dawned upon him at length that depreciation of his arrival was not the best means of ingratitating himself into the fair girl's favor, and he changed his tactics, avoiding as far as possible all mention of Dr. Clendenin's name in her presence. But she neither neither forgot nor forgave what he had already said, and in revenge threw out an occasional hint that she had grave doubts of his own bravery, while at the same time she lauded that of Dr. Clendenin to the skies. Littleton was deeply mortified, and cast about in his mind for some way of proving to her that he was not wanting in the manly attribute of courage you seem to have an unbounded confidence in dr clinton's valor he said one day in a tone of piquet pray tell me what he has ever done to prove it with pleasure she answered in grave sweet accents, but with kindling eyes and a slight smile hoovering about the lips I have seen it tried or known it to be so in many ways during the several years of our acquaintance, in unhesitating exposure to contagious disease, in encounters with the fierce wild beasts of our hills and forests, in long, lonely journeys out into the wilderness all endured without flinching. So much for his physical courage, his moral courage is fully equal to it. He is not afraid or ashamed to show his collars, to stand by his principles, to acknowledge his allegiance to his divine master by work or act. In whatever company he finds himself, he is not afraid of ridicule or of taunts or jeers, and I am sure would never hesitate to espouse the cause of the downtrodden and oppressed. I hate cant, said Littleton, collaring. I never could abide these people who set themselves up as so much better than their neighbors. I entirely agree in those sentiments, replied Nell, and so would Dr. Clinton, and he never obtrudes his sentiments or talks can't, and has a very humble opinion of himself, yet his life is such so pure, earnest, self-denying, and useful that no one is left in doubt as to whose servant he is. And, oh, he knows how to speak words of comfort and hope to the weak and weary, the sin-burdened and sorrowing. And permit me to add, is most fortunate in having secured so fair and eloquent an advocate, returned Littleton with a bow and a mocking smile. Yet I must beg to be excused for my inability to see in him the paragon of perfection your rose-colored glasses would make him. "'If my glasses are rose-colored, permit me to say yours are evidently begrimed with London smoke,' retorted Nell. "'You hate me because I am an Englishman,' he said gloomily, "'and it is most unjust, since I had personally nothing whatever to do with what you Americans are pleased to style the oppressions of the mother country.'" No, I don't think I absolutely hate you, Mr. Littleton, she said, meditatively, staying her needle in mid-air for an instant. On the contrary, I have occasionally found your society not at all disagreeable. But, and the needle again went swiftly in and out while her eyes were fixed upon her work, I think if I were in need of a protector from any great immediate danger, an expected attack by hostile Indians, for instance, I should prefer one of my countrymen by my side. Now, Nell, that was really too bad, remarked Clare after Littleton had gone. The English are hardly less brave as a nation than ourselves. Of course I don't deny that, but he's an exception and deserving of all and more than I gave him for his mean way of depreciating a... An absent rival, put in Claire with a laugh as Nell paused for an appellation suited to Kenneth's worth. Really, I think you might forgive his evident jealousy, which is certainly flattering to you. No, not a rival, but a far better and nobler man than himself, said the girl, the rose deepening on her cheek. Littleton went away full of anger and sharp chagrin, and lay awake half the night trying to contrive some means of convincing Miss Lamar that no more valiant man than himself was anywhere to be found. He summoned his German valet at, the, at a, an unusual early hour the next morning. "Hans," said he, while the man was busied about his person, "you are from Hesse, I think, and were ba- over here during the war." yes ma, that is so but i dealt it not to these peoples no of course not and you need not fear that i shall betray you but your experience may enable you to be of use to me in a new capacity baddish dogma have patience hands and i will explain all in good time were you an officer nine nah, nine nah, not so good as that that you guys a privateer, a private you a private corrected littleton with a laugh well i wish you had been higher though he added meditatively if i could but get hold of the uniform of a hessian officer it would not matter now well my and you can keep von little secret i didn't stop can be found what here in this little out-of-the-way village hans nodded wisely yes i finds him a quick if you will do so and will make use of it as I direct, said Littleton, you shall be handsomely paid for your trouble, and may rest assured that I will never betray your secret. Well, then, my dear, I tell you and I pours de clothes and doze to work Call Hedwig was in de war, and that you call it officer, yes, and he's a got de soldier clothes now here. Hans answered in the affirmative, going on to explain that Hedwig, whom he recognized as an old acquaintance and his former superior in the army, had begged of him not to divulge the fact that he had served against the Americans, fearing that it would render him unpopular. But doubtless, if it could be done without incurring that risk, he would lend his uniform for a consideration." Lyttleton authorized Hans to hire it for the winter, naming a liberal sum and enjoining secrecy. "'I expect to find use for it one of these days or nights, which is all you need to know at present,' he concluded. Hans promised to attend to the commission promptly, and with due care that none should know of it save Hedwig and himself.' Godfrey Dale ran into Major Lamar's that morning, directly after breakfast, to say that the young people were getting up a riding party for that afternoon, and to ask Nell if he might be her ex- escort. You must please excuse my coming at so early an hour, he said with a mischievous smile. It was in order to for- forestall the Englishman who almost monopolized hate, it, seems to me. No, he does not, said Nell, looking but ill-pleased. He is here a great deal, I know, but I cannot forbid him the house. I left him in Clendenin's office, remarked Dale. He is generally to be found there when he is not here. Seems to marry the doctor prodigiously. Tells me he has conceived a very warm friendship for him. Then he is an errant hypocrite exclaimed nell her eyes flashing with indignation he is always saying or hinting disparaging things to him, of him to me dell looked surprised then angry then laughed lightly to you miss nell well i suppose he dreads clinton's rivalry and thinks all is fair in love i shall think but ill of you mr dell if you uphold him on any such plea as that nell said with vexation uphold him? No, indeed, Miss Nell. I only wish to be as charitable as the case will allow. Thank you for listening to another episode of Soft Story Classic.